So we are continuing our, our Christmas series uh, titled Away in a Manger. And, and through this, we're just looking at different aspects of the Christmas story. Last week, we started with Isaiah. And, and it's really kind of the backstory, right? The pre-story to, to what God was going to do in the Christmas season. And, and we looked at some of those Old Testament prophecies and just the hope that we can find right, in, um, in the Messiah. Right? And, and now today, we're going to step um, into really into the actual manger scene, right? Into the, 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 the story as it happens, and we're starting with Mary. And again, this is the, the love week, right? As we've lit the, the candle that, that represents love, and as we, as we look at love, again, that's one of those words that we, we use a lot, and, and, and we throw it around sometimes um, not even thinking about it, and other times when we use that word, we, there's some huge emotions, right, behind it, and it's very specific and strategic. When you think about that, realize, realizing that even in our English language, the, the word love is, is, is easily mixed up, right? And in fact, in a lot of other languages, there are different words for different kinds of love. Right? And, and as, we, as we see even in scripture, in, in Greek especially, there are very specific words for different kinds of love. And, and as, we, as we look at that today, I just want to you know, um, see that um, as we look at Mary and, and her role in the Christmas story, uh, we, we also know, right, that there's nothing like a mother's love. And, and again, I'm obviously not a mother. I know for some of you are, right, that you could say that, but I, I can a test for a parent's love, right? And know that there's definitely nothing like that. But, but certainly, even it's still even different. I could even see it in Maureen and see it in you guys. There's, mother's love is just unique. Right? And, and yet we see here as, as God chose Mary and, and that's kind of pre-wired in her, right, to, to love Jesus because with a mother's love, but there was, there was love much deeper than even that. And when we think about what, what Mary was asked to do, right, by, by God, um, re- realize that, that this was a huge task. It was not just, um, you know, something that was easy for her to fulfill. In fact, it was, as things we know about Mary is that she was likely a, a teenager, in fact, in this time. When we just look at, at the, the cultural, um, you know, customs and, and uh, what we know about Mary that we learn from that, right, she was betrothed to Joseph. Uh, they were engaged, but, and, and she was a virgin, right, which was standard in that culture, right? And yet she would have been, I mean, the youngest age they would have been betrothed to somebody was 12. I mean, that she could have been as young as 12, right? I mean, more, more than likely, more average was more like 14 to 16 years old. And that was common in their culture. And I think when we, when we think about that and realize where Mary, Mary was, she was right on this transition point in her life, right, where she was... She was set to be married to Joseph. She, she was uh, going to start this new life, and she had things planned out. And, and again, a lot of times this, this engagement time, right, that we think about now, it was a little longer and, and kind of more because these were typically arranged marriages, right? And so part of this betrothal period was for them to even get to know each other a little bit, right, before they entered into this marriage um, commitment, as we think about Mary and think about the love that she had and, and even about why, maybe why God chose her and, and to see that, I want to um, actually read the, the, the encounter that Mary first has when she first learns, right, about what God is asking her to do. And this is found in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 through 38. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to, to Luke chapter 1, 
If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use. You'll notice the page numbers included and where you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, um, you can grab your Bible and follow along as well. So we're going to pick up here in Luke chapter 1, uh, where the angel shows up to Mary. Starting at verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and we will, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has been, become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she was, has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, as we read this, this interaction, right, that Mary has um, with the angel, uh, this is some pretty shocking information. I mean, this is, and this is a blind side for Mary, right? It's not like she saw this coming, right? I mean, you know, so many times I think we read the story and be like, oh yeah, she was, you know, she was waiting for it. She wasn't, this was a shock. And I think we see that even in the text. It kind of represents that, right? She was confused. She was like, what, you know, this angel shows up and says, hey, you know, hey, Mary, what's up, right? And she was like, what is happening? Right, this, this is um, a blindside for her, and, and, and yet, um, when we look at this, this interaction she has with the angel, and uh, who is, comes to, again, give this, this divine message to Mary, it, we see that the angel's first message to her is actually very, very important. And, and I think, um, as, as we think about this week, the theme right, of love, is we realize that the angel's first message to Mary is how much God loves her. It is the, fir- the first message, I mean, this is the opening greeting, right, is, is how much God loves her. And, and now, I think this is something that we, we know, right? We just kind of assume, like, yeah, God loves her, right? Just like, yeah, God loves us. I mean, I think we, we even use that phrase. But as I was looking at this this week, and I, I sat down, and I was like, but where does, it, where does the text show us that? Like, I mean, again, is this an assumption or is this something that we can, that we know from the text, right? And so I looked at, at this verse, at, at these first few verses where the angel speaks, okay? Verses 28 and verse 30. It, it says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Okay, that's verse 28. And then just, again, 29 is where we see the Mary's reaction back. And then and then in 30, he says, don't be afraid, Mary, for the angel told her, you have found favor with God. Now, as we look at these two verses and I sit down, I was like, okay, I, I get favored woman, like this, but where, where does it say that God loves her? Right? And, and yet, I, I see it again, the first message to Mary was about God's love, right? You are loved by God, right? And so, well, therefore, what I'm about to tell you, you can handle, right? 
And, and I sat down and started looking at this verse. And, and again, I looked at the, the, go back to the Greek words, right? And saying, what does the text tell us? Because right? I felt like I was missing something. Right? And, and what I found is this word that is, um, that is translated in these verses as favored and, and found favor, right? We, we see those in, we see that phrase, right? That word in both verses. The favored one, right? She's favored by God. And, and I looked up that, the Greek word that is used there that is translated as favored is charis. And now as I read that word and I was like, wait a minute, I know that word. Okay, because charis, that Greek word, okay, the more familiar translation for the Greek word charis is grace. And so when you read this, right, what this verse says, again, and, and again, this is, it's not a bad translation in favor. I think that's inaccurate. But, but what this says, if you look at it in the original language, it says, um, Mary, you are a graced woman. Right? You are highly graced with God. And this is the same word that we find in, in the most common passage, right? Even Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We looked at that verse so much recently, right? It is by grace you have been saved. It is by charis you have been saved. Not of works. It's the same word. Now, to say this again, I, I've, and I've told a few people this week, like, I, this blew my mind because, again, I've studied the Bible for years, right? I've preached the Christmas messages literally probably hundreds of times, and and I've never realized it's the same word. And as you look at that, and I think, okay, it's grace, right? And so I looked at, again, the definition and the strong definition of the word charis, okay, of grace. is And charis, it is an action. It is a verb. Okay, it is an action word. And, and the, the, the definition in the strongest concordance for the word charis is that it is a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Okay, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. And, and so we realize again in that, that even the, the definition of grace, right, is God's divine influence, right? And what, again, what is his influence? Well, he's love, right? And it's the love that it's put upon our hearts and then how it plays out in our lives and how it affects our lives, right? That's grace. And so when we look at that, right, the reality is that grace is God's love being lived out. It's God's love in action. <laughs> and so when the angel tells Mary, hey, you are highly graced by God, right, she, she then, what she receives, right, from that Greeting is that you are so loved by God, and now God's love is going to move and, and take action in your life, right? And through you. And I think as we realize, right, again, this wasn't just about Mary getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This was about everything that this baby, this Messiah, was going to accomplish, right? As it is grace being lived out, or love being lived out is grace. And when we think about this idea, right, we, I, I want to go to, you know, again, the, the most vivid description of God's love that we have in our scriptures, okay, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay, so if you have your Bible with you, just kind of keep your, keep your finger in Luke. We're going to head back there, but, but you can uh, flip over to 1 Corinthians 
uh, chapter 13. And again, this is a very famous passage. This, this chapter is known as the love chapter, right, in scripture. Um, as I said, there's different kinds of loves. The love that's described in 1 Corinthians 13, the word that's used there is agape love. This is the perfect godly love. This is the character trait of God, right? It's part of what makes him. But again, the kind of most um, famous vivid verses is, is four through seven. And as I read this, though, I want just just having your heart and your mind as we read this, this is not just describing love, but this love, when it's in action, right, is, is what grace is. I mean, this defines grace. Right, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it says, Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Right, and when we live in that love, when we experience that love, that's living in grace. Right, and that's where we see, right? It, it's love being lived out. Love in action is charis. In fact, we, as we look at just the most foundational, right, description of the gospel, right, of why Jesus came, and we see in John 3, 16 and 17, right, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And how did God love the world? Well, he sent his son, right? That's action, right? I mean, again, this is now, it, we see, it's grace. It's by grace we're saved, right? Through Jesus, through his, his life, through his death, through his resurrection. And we think about, the, the, again, the love, right? As, as we receive it, as we live it out in our lives, as we live in grace every day because of the gospel, because of God's love being lived out in our lives. Right? We, we see, again, how that love, right, and living in God's grace, right, highly graced one, which is a description of Mary, but that, that's a fitting description of everyone who receives Christ as their Savior, right? You are highly graced. You are living in God's love, right? Love put in action. And, and, and we know, again, that 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 God is love. I mean, that's just a part of his character, right? And, and, and with that said, is, is we also see what the other thing the angel told Mary here, right, in the midst of this was, hey, do not be afraid. Right, and once again, he's already told her, Mary, you are loved by God, right? You, you are loved so much by God that, that he's going to live his love through you, right, and accomplish the ultimate love, right, and through grace in your life and in, to grace the world, right, with salvation and and restore relationship with God and, and to experience that. And, and yet we understand, right, as the more she's loved, the more that she can truly not be afraid, <laughs> right? Which is, again, one of the most famous things we learn, right, out of Scripture in 1 John 4, 18. Such love has no fear <laughs> because perfect love expels all fear. Again, you read that description in 13, right? When that's true, when you live in that grace, it's like, well, then I have nothing to be afraid of because I'm loved by God. Right, and I'm living in God's grace every day. 
We don't have to be afraid. And again, you can imagine, I mean, this, you know, this teenager is ready to, to start her adult life and she's transitioning to this and this angel shows up and says, hey, don't be afraid, right? There's only one way she could not be afraid with all this information. It's because she's so deeply loved by God. Right? And, and as, as we see this, right, she, she, she gets to this, this place, right, where, where she's able to then move forward in, you know, in this huge task, right, this request that God is bringing her. As we see, again, there's still some, some logistical questions she had to clear up. I mean, you think as we see her responses, right, and interactions, she's like, but again, she's like, okay, but I know how, I know how babies are made, and this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, how does that work? And, you know, there's all these other logistical questions, right, that are played out for her. And, and, and then we see kind of the conclusion of all of these these questions, right, these back and forth, is in Luke 1.37, okay, and this is this verse in the NLT where the angel, again, explains all these things to her and then says, but, but the word of the Lord will never fail, right, which again is saying, I mean, he's saying, but if God says it, like, God can do it, right? Like, he can figure out all of these logistical issues, right? He can, he can make things happen because, in fact, the, the, the King James version of this verse says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Right? And as we look at that, again, those different translations give us different connotations, but it's all the same meaning, right? If God wants to do it, God can do it. Right? There's nothing that God can't do. I mean, if God says he's going to do it, then he's going to do it. And, and, and we see then, uh, we get to, to after this, right, as the angel kind of explains this, and, and as Mary's processing this in the moment, right, we we see that because Mary felt loved by God, she was able to fully surrender to his plan. Right? Because she felt loved by God, she was able to, to, to say, okay, like I don't, I don't even fully understand it. I don't get it all. Right? I, I, I mean, my list of questions continues to grow every, every moment. But, but yet, if that's what God wants to do, right, if I am loved that much by God, then, then I will surrender to his plan. Right, and we see that in verse 38. I mean, this is Mary's response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. Because she gets to that place, right? Of like, well, it's because I'm loved by God, because I'm living in his grace, because I see all this, like I might not even understand or get it all, but I am the Lord's servant. I know that to be true. And if God wants to do it, then, then so be it. Right, and, and she fully surrenders, again, to, to what God was asking her to do. And then there's this, the, the last sentence in this verse, though, is, is actually one that we can just read over quickly, but I think it's one that we can't ignore. And it says, and then the angel left her. I mean, I mean the angel gives this message, right? You were so loved. She, she accepts this call. She, she surrenders herself um, to, to God's will for her life. And, and then the angel left. Right, and Mary's left, right, holding the basket of this task, so to speak, right? The angel left. And again, I don't know about you, but so many times, there have been times when I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it, right? And then, and then there's silence, right? And it's like, oh man, what did I just commit to? 
Like, what, 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 what is the next step, right? Like, like where am I going to go? Because, again, the, after the angel leaves her, right, then, then we see that Mary continues to work out all the implications of her commitment to God's call. And there were lots of implications to this commitment. But in fact, if we look back in, you know, in Luke and, like, throughout the, 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 the different, um, you know, passages, right, as, as the story continues to play out, the reality is that this was a up-and-down roller coaster ride for Mary. There, there were some big, big high times. There were some other times where they were really hard and tough. In fact, if we, again, we're not going to look at this, but if you're back in Luke, and we, as we go through, we're not going to read each pieces of the story, but, but we see these different sections. In, in Luke 1, 39 through 56, um, this is where uh, Mary goes to, um, to Elizabeth, right, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. And, and she gets this warm and encouraging welcome and confirmation from Elizabeth about everything that's, that's happening, you know, within her and all that God's doing in her life. Okay, this is a high point, right, in, in this ride with, for Mary. And then notice at the end of this passage in verse 56, it says that Mary then goes back to Nazareth, right, to face Joseph. And in fact, it's three months later, right? She's three months into her pregnancy at this point. There's no hiding what's happening. Right? And you can imagine, again, that, that as she goes home to face Joseph, right, of the anxiety that comes with that, right? The, the, the role who said that. And, and as we already know, we can infer from, from the story that it doesn't go well with Joseph at first. Right? As she kind of dips into this, right? I mean, this is, this is a tough time for her. Hey, we see that in next in, in Luke chapter 2, verses uh, 16 through 19. Okay, this is um, where the passage about the shepherds, right? And they hear from the angels on the, on the night in Bethlehem, right? When they're in the stable, she has the baby. And again, we see in verses 17 through 19, um, after the shepherds show up, right? And they tell everyone what had happened and what the angels said about this child. And again, they have this interaction, right? And they're astonished and everything's awesome. And at the end of this verse, in verse 19, it says that Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Right? Because Mary was still processing this. She was still figuring this out and even probably had these questions of like, man, is, is this really happening? Is this the right thing? Right? Like all of these things. So she had to remember these, these, these different confirmations, right? These high points in that because, because we also see um, in, in Luke 2, 20. 5 through 35. This is when Mary and Joseph show up in the temple eight days later. This is they're following the Jewish customs. They take Jesus to be dedicated in the temple. Okay, and and um, she, they show up with Simeon, right? And he, he dedicates Jesus, right, to the Lord. And he goes through this whole ceremony. And then at the end of this passage, the, the Simeon has a specific message for Mary, right? And he tells her, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul, Mary. I again remember a mother's love, right? And, and everything that, even the controversy that surrounds the birth of this baby and, and, and everything that he's going to bring and accomplish and do. And yet, Again, he he's tells her, like, hey, there's some tough times ahead for you. Right? As, as we think about this idea, right, that's just the love of God and how, again, how could it help Mary to get through all that was happening? Right? Because, 
again, we can sense, in, even in these texts, if we re- get on a little bit under it, right, and realize that, yes, she was incredibly loved by God. Was this a, a very holy mission that God sent her on? Yes, but this was not an easy one. It was one that Mary was probably even struggling with herself, right, and trying to, to, to say, like, man, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing, right? Am I really loved by God? Is this baby actually holy, right? Like, like all the implications that come out of this commitment she made to God. And as we think about that and think about that, so I want to just, again, we're going to look at this short video depiction of, of Mary um, interacting with one very young shepherd. It's okay. You can come in. He won't bite. He's just a small baby. A little shy? That's okay. I am too. Your friends left in such a rush to go tell the world. I think that's how they put it. And what a thing to tell. Did you know an angel visited me too? And he said that my boy would be great, the son of God. He said that he would be the king of angels, the king of all. Do you think that they'll understand? Do you think that they'll come to worship him Will they accept him? It's just... Look around us. It's not exactly a palace, is it? Noisy animals. Hey, out of all things for a bed. And that stench for everything that he is. Maybe this isn't enough. I find myself just watching him. Adoring him. I thought I knew what love was. Until it came along. My mother gave this blanket to me when I was just a little girl. A gift of love. I wore it out. When we were preparing for the trip to Bethlehem, I told Joseph I wanted to bring it. No, he said. We must pack light. I brought it anyway. The baby needs a blanket. Yes, they will come. The faithful. How could they not? He was born the king of angels. He will be great and mighty. He is all this and more. But when you go tell my young friend, be sure, be sure to tell them 
that he is an incredible gift of love. very sad in the video. She says, I thought I knew what love was until he came along. I realized, man, there's so much more to love than I even realized. Again, Mary was loved and called by God, but it was not as simple or as easy as our major scenes imply. There was struggle, there was doubt, and amazing blessings along the way. And yet, realizing the extent of God's love and experience his grace really made it all worth it. Because again, what's her conclusion? You can sense right? she's even trying to convince herself. Right? She's like, but be sure to tell them he is an incredible gift of love. Right? And the Christ child is, is love embodied in Messiah. Right? It is love put into action it is grace. And it's by that grace that we can be saved. And as we think about this interaction with Mary and the love that she experienced and, and the call that she surrendered to, I, we have to ask ourselves, you know, this same question because the reality is you are loved by God as much as her. Right? God loves you in the same way. And you are loved by God. So will you surrender to his plan? You're as loved as Mary was. So will you surrender? Yeah, that's how you join the journey of faith, right? Is you surrender yourself to God for the first time. Because you're loved, right? God loves you before you deserved it. Right? God has already done his part. <laughs> right? And he loves you. And he's waiting for you to surrender. Have you joined the journey of faith? You believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth and say, Lord, come in. Come into my life. I surrender to you. I want to love you back. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 12, says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Right, so if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you've joined the journey of faith, and he says, well, then you are, then you can realize, right, the extent of how much God loves you. And once you do that, he's like, then it's our job to love everybody else. Right, and that's, we continue to surrender to God's plan, because God's plan for us, everyone starts with you receiving him as your Savior. And then the next step of the plan is you help spread it. <laughs> right, because the next thing we learn out of 1 John and as we live in God's love is, is the more that you trust God's love, the more you'll grow in your faith journey. 
All right, Mary had to trust, right? There was a lot of trust in God's love. And again, do we trust God's love, right? Do we continue to grow? I mean, and to take those steps and fulfill everything that, that God calls us to do, right? Be, and why do we do it? Because we know how much God loves us. Right? And you know that because as a follower of him, as you receive him, right, you receive the Holy Spirit, and God continues to show you over and over and over again how much you're loved. Right? And we learn, again, in, in a little further in First John, right? he says, we know how much God loves us, <laughs> and we have put our trust in his love. Because God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Right? That's a relationship, by the way. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Right? And again, as you, if you know how much God loves you, then are you living in his love every day, right? Again, that fear is gone, and it releases us to live life the way that God intended, like Jesus, right? That we continue in that journey every day to be transformed more and more like him because Jesus is the destination of our journey. Again, if you surrender to God's plan and are you growing in your faith every day, right? Because the more we experience God's love, the more that we see his love in action, the more we live in grace, right? The more than that God not just transforms us, but shines that love and light into the world that so desperately needs him, right? And that's our job as his followers, as his church. And I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today, but I know that God loves you. And I know that when you're loved by God and you receive that, that it can change everything, right? Because nothing is impossible for God. When God says it, it will happen. Which leads to my final thought this morning, and that is this. Fully realizing the ascent of God's love not only saves us, but enables us to keep going forward no matter what we face. Are you living in God's grace every day? Again, whether that's receiving Christ as your Savior for the first time, whether that's surrendering every morning, every day, right? Saying, Lord, I surrender to that. And whether it's just, again, living God's love in action every day, right? Are we living in grace? God loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants to set you free. Will you love him back? Lord God, we do worship you this morning. God, we thank you and praise you for your love. Lord, that your love was seen in action. God, through the Christ child, and you gave us grace. And you put your love in action. And we praise you and thank you for that today. And God, as we go this week, I pray, Lord, that we would truly move forward in our faith, closer to you. God, that we'd be, be transformed by your spirit. God, and set free and by your love to truly fulfill everything you called us to do. God, we surrender to you. Use us this week to shine your light, Lord, as we live out our faith every day. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. Help us, God, as we live in grace every day this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.